I'm so excited to be here today with you guys. I'm encouraged. New theme, and I'm so excited. Doing what, God ma- uh, doing what matters most, the church and community, is our theme this year. I am so excited for this theme. It's about discipleship. It's about walking out our journey with God. It's also about celebrating the power of God working within our church community, but also being a witness of the glory of God in the community that we're placed in. So that's what this year is about, okay? Something for us to get excited about, something for us to, to, to work together as a church because that's what we're, we're called to be. We're called to be a church, and the church is our family. A church is the children of God. And so we're going to do that um, this year. We're going to go through first. We're going to first go through Second Peter. That is going to be our first jump-off point for this series I love the book of 2 Peter because there's an urgency that comes with 2 Peter. You're asking, why are we not going through 1 Peter? Because it's a very different letter. It's written in two very separate times. It's not a continuous letter. And we're going through 2 Peter because there's a charge for us as a church. Right? But before we get into it, let's pray and uh, we'll get into the word here. Father God, we thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing in our community. And we thank you so much for just your encouragement for this church. Lord, as we step together into a new season to pursue righteousness and to pursue holiness, Father God, we just pray that your spirit comes and goes before us as we look towards what righteousness and holiness looks like. So Father God, be with us today. Let our worship, let our, our, our presence be a blessing unto you. May we worship you with all our heart, soul, and mind. And Lord, may we give you all that we are for all that you are. So Lord, we thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Second Peter chapter 1. We're going to just go through four short chapters, but you know me Four short chapters means an hour-long sermon. (laughs) But the question is, what matters most? We're saying, doing what matters most. So the question should be, so what matters most? That is a question not only for our church, but it is a question that the society and culture that we are living in are asking the same thing. I'm not sure if we're completely out of COVID yet, but nevertheless, the season of COVID these past two years have changed the entire world and how we operate and how we relate. We're trying to navigate a new landscape, not one that the world has ever experienced before, because prior to COVID, there wasn't a necessity for it, and this landscape is digital. You may not agree with me, but one thing that has changed in, in the entirety of the world is how we interact with technology now. In the past two years, it's not that we have come up with brand new technological advances. However, what, what has happened is how people now begin to leverage that technology and manipulate that technology with ease, and how we use that technology is greater than ever. COVID forced even those that were against technology or even hesitant to use it because we didn't know how to figure figure it out. But now, 
it's gone to a place where the internet is not even something that we think about. You're like, what? Well, let me tell you. I was born before the internet. I know I look 20-something, but I'm not. <laughs> I was born before the internet was available in, in homes. And when, it, and when internet did become available, it was slow. It took up the phone line. It screeched like an alien was going to attack you from the other side. That was internet. We didn't have cell phones unless you were very rich. And those cell phones back then were literally the size and weight of an actual brick. When you were out, people couldn't reach you until you either got home or close to a phone. You had to either call them on their landline. Most, some of you don't even know what a landline is or you physically see them. When you need to buy something, you actually had to go to a store. You had to go to the store to see if it's even available. If you wanted to get food, you actually had to go to the restaurant to buy it. If you had to go to school, you actually had to walk to school. You had to go to work, you actually had to go into the office. But today, every single one of us, we have a cell phone, right? That cell phone is constantly connected to the internet. That cell phone allows us to call people or text them or even figure out where they are from Find My Friends. Technology has changed the way that we live. If you need something, you just go on Amazon on your phone and you can order that and the same day it comes. And if it doesn't come that same day, you're like, what the heck? This is Prime, I pay for Prime. If you're hungry, you just go on an app, you order food, it comes to you in 30 minutes. We don't think for a second that this is how we live our lives and depend on the technology that we live with today. Zoom and video conferencing technology, was, was which used to be spotty or fuzzy, is now industry standards. During COVID, we found out that the majority of people can actually work and study from home that the need to be physically somewhere was not a necessity anymore. Everything is instant, that even church is instant and available at any time we just turn on our phone, that we're able to devour contents at speeds and rates and amounts that all the generations before us can't even catch up with. Churches that were against leveraging technology to keep the sanctity of the church had to go online as well. In that instant, if we didn't pivot, we had to shut down. Businesses, churches, everything needed to leverage what was pushing towards doing everything online. And now, this is our new reality. This is our new norm. Imagine if you had to go back to the future. Back to the future is one of my favorite series, by the way. We don't have to go back to 1985. Let's just go back to 1992, 30 years ago. How many of us would feel completely lost, at least for the first day? You don't have Google Maps to tell you where the closest grocery store is. You wouldn't be able to look up businesses or restaurants nearby. You can't call anyone because there would be no reception. There would be no internet. You'd have to sit in a car and bus and possibly talk to somebody. 
This is the contrast of the time that we live in now. And the book of Second Peter starts at that place. Second Peter is at a place where Peter is sensing that there is a big shift. A big shift in terms of what is about to ha- happen. It is the end of an era. And if you hear and read the tone of Peter's letter in addressing the church, Peter has an urgency and a fervor about him. Peter, in his time when he's writing Second Peter, he's in prison in Rome, and his execution is pending. Up until this point, the church was started and maintained by the original 11 disciples, plus one who is now Paul, because remember Judas was left, left Jesus aside. But that era is now coming to an end, where most of the disciples are now either martyred or they're killed or they're imprisoned, And it's at a place where the church now needs to step into a new era where the 12 apostles are no longer there. Even back then, the early church thought that Jesus was coming back soon. So in many ways, the church actually didn't think that they needed to do anything different because they thought, oh, when this era ends, Jesus is coming back, we're all going to be liberated, we're all going to be free, and that is the end of it. But Peter knew that that wasn't true. Peter knew that this is time for a new era of the church stepping into a new season that did not depend on them. So Peter is writing this letter in that place with that heart and that fervor. So he writes this letter to the church, and Peter knew what the church was going to be facing. He knew that the church was going to be tested. He knew that the church will face false teaching and oppositions. And this letter is Peter's letter to the church to say, persevere in faith and remember the promises of Jesus. So turn with me. Second uh, Peter chapter 1. Simeon, Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Jesus, uh, and our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to be his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promise, so that through them you may save you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. In these short four, four short verses, Peter establishes a baseline for the church. First, that our faith is by the righteousness of our, our, our God and Jesus Christ. Notice that our faith Everything that we believe in rests on this, the righteousness of our God through Jesus Christ. Then notice Peter's posture as he comes, and he says what? He says he first comes as what? A servant and then an apostle. Peter is very intentional about presenting himself because as an apostle, there is an authority that comes with it, and usually with that authority comes an honor. But he doesn't want to lord this position over his saints. 
In the same way he addresses the elders in 1 Peter, he calls them what? Fellow elders. Peter learned this from Jesus. As Jesus says in Luke 22, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become the youngest and the leader as one who serves. That Peter says, our posture is a posture of servant. That no matter where you are and who you are, you as Christians and as people of God are called to the first thing before any other title is servant. Peter knows this. He understands this because Jesus commanded us to do that. Jesus says, I have not come to be served, but to what? To serve. And so as people of God, that is always going to be our posture. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO or it doesn't matter if you're a doctor or a lawyer or whatever your, your, your position of standing that you hold on to in this world and the accomplishments that you hold on to. Jesus says, my people begin with service. Peter, Peter bends over backwards to emphasize this. And he, he, he emphasizes by saying that I am of equal standing. This is Peter's calling to the church to humility. To understand that we are not to boast in our faith because we didn't do anything to gain it. Because our faith is in Jesus' righteousness. That all that we are and all that we do isn't because of what we do, but because of what Jesus has already done. Because Jesus, who is God and Savior. We posture ourselves to serve others and lead from a place to serve others through the love and compassion of Jesus. This, when we begin to do this, we begin to give glory to the one who has given us our righteousness. Why does Peter bend over backward to emphasize this? Because Peter understands two truths in where there is power and authority of how the church is to live by. Peter goes on to say, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. First, there's two things, grace and peace. We all want grace and peace, right? Who doesn't? As I was saying before, we live in a digital era, and one of the biggest outcomes of that digital era is that everyone is now facing and addressing mental health. That depression and anxiety is on an all-time high. And that these, but the thing is, what, what we have in connected is that these two things work hand in hand. The rise of depression, anxiety, and fears all increase as our lives move from what is physical and spiritual to what is digital. That the more we live in a digital wor world with work online, school online, life online, content online, the result of which perpetuates depression and anxiety. Our world is changing, but our body is trying to adjust to a new change. The opposite of grace and peace is unforgiving and anxiousness. When we start to feel uneasy, and desperate for change, where do we go to? Do we go onto social media and mindlessly scroll? I do. I'm gonna be honest with you. I, 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 I tend to do that. We, 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 we go to a place 
where we immerse ourselves into either a TV show or a movie or we try to find some downtime to decompress. I like to use the term zone out, right? Sometimes we just want to zone out for a bit. It's been crazy. It's been busy. I'm overwhelmed. I just want to zone out for a bit. But all of that is a form of escape. Sometimes we get to a place where we're, we're so online, we're just like, I just need a change, I need to go on vacation, right? Vacation's going to heal everything, it's going to cure everything. Or we feel like, oh, my community is, is, is out of sorts because my community's everything is online, I just need to move to a new place, I need to move locations. So we uproot our family and we move to Texas. No, we're not. But we feel like that's going to solve the problem. But the reality is that none of this is ever going to solve anything. That all of this is just running and all of this is just part of an escape that we live in. But Peter tells us where we, where we find peace and grace. He says it is in the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ. To find grace and peace is in the knowledge of God that helps us navigate through this world. The knowledge that this is referring to is a divine clarity about the way and character of God. So I was trying to find a way to help us understand this, right? What is the simplest way that I could think of is our conversion moment. The moment when the knowledge of God became something that we believe in. It was that light bulb moment where it just made sense that faith comes in. Where you know that that understanding of who Jesus is and his, his all-powerfulness doesn't come from yourself, that it comes from something greater. That's the knowledge of God that we're talking about. That's the knowledge of God that, that we're referring to. It's this divine clarity of the character of God that it doesn't come from just human understanding and needs the divinity of God for us to actually come into this place of faith. This knowledge isn't about being a Bible scholar. It isn't going out to seminary to know God. In fact, today more and more seminary students after graduation begin to walk away from God. The knowledge of God is part of our spiritual formation. It is both in study and and experience that is growing in our faith and prayer and study life. It's about who you turn to first when you're faced with adversity and anxiety. Who do you turn to first? Where do you go to when you're faced with no peace? Who do you go to where you, when you're faced with uh, this, 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 these things coming against you? Do you mindlessly pull up Instagram and say, oh, here goes two hours of my life? I know. I've done it before, so I know that's possible. No? Yeah. <laughs> I've done it. We've all done it. We'd be lying if, to say if, if we, we say we haven't done it. But I don't want us to get into this place that we get religious about it and say we have to always go into that place of 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 study onto that place where, where, where this is what measures our spirituality because it's not. Every one of us here in this church has a journey that they're on and in, the, in that journey of spirituality, 
God needs us. I don't want us to get to that place of saying, you have to study the word every single day. You know what? I want you to get there. But if you're not there right now, that's okay. I want you guys to get to the place of I'm praying every single day. But if you're not there right now, that's okay. I want you to get to the place where you're, you're asking God and asking for his wisdom and, and, and his guidance in how do I walk out today? Not five years from now, but how do I walk out today, in the next hour, in the next minutes? What am I supposed to do? If you're not there, that's okay. We're going to help you get there. As a church family, I want us all to get there, and Peter wants the church to all get there. This is why he wrote his letter. He's like, I want you, church, to understand that there is something that God is giving you. There's grace and peace that in the knowledge of God that I'm going to help you navigate the world that you live in, that this mental health stuff, it's very real. Depression, anxiety, that's very real. It is the outcome of the world that we live in. But there is help to navigate through all of this. Sometimes that requires professional help, but other times it just requires us to really go into Scripture and remember the promises that God has for you, church. That's what it is. That the Word of God, this book contains truths. Truths about who you are. Truths about where God wants you to be. Truths in, in the person He has created you to be. All of these things are found in this word. And God says, know me. Not just in the knowledge, but also here in the experience of who God is. When Jesus left, Jesus says what? I'm going to give you a helper. This helper is the person that's going to help you navigate through all of these things. And that helper is in the form of the Holy Spirit. And God says, I'm going to give you my spirit. And when I give you my spirit, there's an empowerment that comes upon you. And that empowerment helps you navigate through depression, through anxiety. Yes, sometimes we need external help, and I'm not against external help, and I think you need to go seek external help if that's where you are in life. But God's promise is in here. He's saying that I will restore you, that I will help you that I will be there for you when you're going through your anxiety, when you're going through your depression, the answers are all here. The knowledge of God gives us power. Power. Church, do you believe you have power? Do you believe that God is giving you the power to conquer through all things? The knowledge of God gives us power to live through our day-to-day. This is the hope in which we get to live in. And as you get to know him better, he will give you everything you need, including his glory and his goodness. And this is God's promise in which we live with. Verse 3, it says this, by which he has granted us his precious and very great promises. Nope, I am ahead of myself. 
His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who calls us his own glory and excellence. This is to remind ourselves of the gospel of our salvation and reconciliation, that we live with, because of Christ in me. This is the knowledge of God. Remember when you first came into a life with Jesus? What did you feel? Love? Probably the first thing. But it's grace and peace that comes with it. To know that now I have the one who created me to help me understand and to know that I have someone to navigate this life with. But not just to navigate. Verse 4 continues, by which he has granted us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become what? Partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature of God. Isn't that incredible? Take a minute and soak that in. The divine nature of God, sometimes as people, as a church, we don't believe that we have access to. But Peter clearly here states that you do that you get to partake in his power, that you get to take in the person and the character of God. We just went through an entire summer series on the characteristics of God and the greatness of who he is and every single testimony testified of the experience of God, right? That is being a partaker of his divine nature. That's what it's about. And now, and that power that, that God gives you comes to help you overcome whatever the world throws at you, at you. Peter encourages the church in ways in which he says to do the same way that I have. Peter says, you have received the same authority as me. Church, you have received the same authority as Peter. Right? And with that authority, which is the equal authority, Peter reminds us in First Peter that what we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. That you are a, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. That is the church. That's not just Peter. It's not just the apostle. His, uh, his apostles. It's not just me. It's all of us. That we are all to be a part of this together, walking this out together. That this charge that Peter gives is not just to the leaders of the church. That this charge that Peter gives is to the entirety of the church. Until Jesus comes back. So that we're sitting here 2,000 years after Peter wrote this letter. That this letter reigns true to the church that he was writing to on that day to today that we're sitting together as a church that we call five stones. That this letter is for you. There's one common theme throughout this letter. And as you, we unpack it, you will see that this theme is to remember. And five stones, I know that we know all of this. And none of this is new to us. However, sometimes we tend to live where we forget the access to his power that we have. 
and that the Spirit of God is present and the Spirit of God gives us power in how we are to live and navigate the challenges that are in front of us. To do what matters most is to remember the promise that Jesus has come and given, given to us. But practically, I want to leave you with three things. The first is to recognize the thing that, things that God is doing in our church and in our community. This means that we need to encourage each other by testifying and telling each other to do more things out of faith. Because this brings the gospel to the forefront of the church. I want our church to celebrate faith. We want to celebrate the testimonies that are given. We want to celebrate the things that are happening in each other's lives. We need to celebrate more of what God is doing in this community. That when somebody experiences God, that we celebrate that and we bring to the forefront in everybody's mind that the gospel of God is always there for all of us. And so we need to recognize more the things that God is doing in this church, in our community, so that we could encourage each other. The second is I want us to cultivate and make a space for God to show up. In the world that we live in, there's hopelessness in our culture. People need hope. And the only place that they will find that hope is in the church. The knowledge of God comes from the experience of God, so we need to make room for that to happen in our relationships. We need to open opportunities for revival to break out in our church. We need to open up opportunities for repentance to, to break out in our church. But we also fight for that same spirit to be poured into our community. And the third is that we need to be in our community. We need to live out our faith, and that requires us to be in good dialogue with those that have a different belief system than ours. We need to have people of different faith, faith backgrounds and worldviews that we can engage with. We need to teach our communities to ask the right questions, what's wrong, what's right, what's missing, and what's confused. Doing what matters most is to know God. And to know God is to be in his power, in his church, and in his community. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for what you're doing in our church and what you're doing in our community. Lord, we come before you and we just ask that you continue to fill us with your spirit, continue to bring us to a place where we understand the power that you have given your church to live out so that your glory may be seen, so that your power may be seen, so that your love may be seen, your compassion, your kindness may be seen. So, Father God, we just come before you as a church and we ask for you to bring your spirit on us, a spirit of encouragement, a spirit where we could encourage each other in the church, and a spirit where we want to be your disciples. So, Lord, we come before you and we give all that we are for all that you are. We give all that we have for all that you have. And Lord, 
You know, there was something really important that Peter was trying to get out to the church, and, and we see Jesus do this same thing, and that is this church and, and all churches are not about the leaders that are in charge of it. It's not about elite. It's not about a select. It's about the entire body being of, of one mind and heart towards Jesus. And so you see Jesus go out there, and he didn't do everything himself. He sent the 70 out in twos. He, sent, he, he spent three years training 12 guys, and, man, you want to read about some frustration in the Bible, read about that. I mean, they're, they're brilliant one second and then get behind me Satan the next. And yet he did it, and why? It's because when he left, there had to be a transition. And this is what Peter is recognizing is that, you know, there's this transition between the apostles. They, they were there. They were the original witnesses, you know. They're the OGs, you know, in the, in the modern vernacular. And, but as they left... Peter knew there's a charge that had to go out to the church and that charge goes out to every person and so you know it's it's fitting that this word came today because you know we are also in this position of transition and you know it's so easy to look at Rich and John uh, you know Eugene Ruth and say look at the prophetic gifts that are upon them they they speak these words and there's these things that come to them Ben Greg but here's the thing, they're not the only people that hear from the word of God. And they're not the only people that God is going to speak to. There are going to be things that God is not going to speak through their ears, but they're going to go through your ears. And they're going to come out of your mouth. And, and that's a huge part of taking this church and, 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 and going out into the community. We, we can't go out there on our own strength. We will fail. But we can go out there in his strength, and we can go out there in his time, and we can go out there with his spirit, love, mercy, and grace, and we will do great things because he is there with us doing these things. And so, you know, hidden in, in what John was saying today is, is this charge to, to you guys that we need to be seeking his voice, and we need to be seeking what he wants to say to us as a church. And, um, you know, this, again, this is not about we put this all on John. To John is the leader, but he's not the doer. We are the doers. And um, so I just leave that with you today. Lord, we just thank you for just such a mighty time of your presence, Lord. We thank you each and every time that you show up because your presence is so good. It is so wonderful and it is so majestic. And Lord, we just thank you today that we could just have this ceremony to formally acknowledge John. Lord, acknowledge him in the things that you have called him to do. Acknowledge him for the role that he has taken on. And Lord, when you said who is willing to go, he said, I am. And so Lord, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for the worship. We thank you for the sermon. We just thank you for all the things that you have laid in our hearts. And we just ask that in this week, you show us how to apply it. Lord, there's knowledge that comes at us. There's information that comes at us each and every day. But Lord, the application of that knowledge is wisdom. And we know that wisdom comes only from you. And so Lord, work in us. Show us what's important to apply. Show us what is important to toss away and leave to the side. Show us how to prioritize our, our time and our thoughts so that 
we just continue to grow and see you more and more. And we just ask your blessing upon us this week. Amen.